The Koi Gig Pod. I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 weeks gone. That's, it's mad to think of really, it seems kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Top of it, goal! It's what dreams are made of. They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I am Kathleen McNamee and I am joined as ever by former Ireland internationals Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne. Uh, the WSL is back at long last. It took about a month but we got there. How did you guys fill your time while there was no, well there was football happening but there was no WSL happening? Um, I didn't, I didn't fill my time. I've just been sitting waiting patiently for it to come back. <laughs> We survived. I mean, it was, it was really busy. I don't know where the time went. I mean, Christmas, obviously, is a bit yeah. of a crazy time. Does anyone actually enjoy Christmas anymore? Just a question out there. Do you enjoy it? a dark thought to start off the podcast with. It's a very January thought. I don't know. I just find it one of the most stressful times of the year. And I don't know why. I have loads of time off, so it should be relaxing. But it's just the whole getting home and trying to see everybody and running up the stairs for me, ma. Emma, can you get this? Can you get that every 30 seconds? Like, what does she do when I'm not there? I'd love to know. Um, There's a lot of like just general running around. I find at Christmas, which isn't very fun. Like I came back after a bit of time off and everyone in the office was like, oh, did you have a nice chill Christmas? And I was like, I think I spent more time on the road and like going to see people than I did actually seeing people over that time. You yeah. too popular, girls. Too popular. That's your problem. <laughs> I'm going on holidays next year. I don't care. And I say this every single year. But next year I'm going on holidays. I've, I've had, I was watching uh, Alex Scott watching her. No, no. Well, that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> I was uh, on Instagram and her feed popped up. And she was like in Barbados. And I was like, oh, it's just the best idea ever. So, yeah, I'm going to go on holidays. So I'll be in Wexford next Christmas (laughs) if anybody's looking for me. (laughs) It's a little cabin to yourself. Bring your dogs. Oh, yeah. The dogs are what stress me out the most because I have to drive everywhere with them, driving to Barcelona. And, you know, I was in Qatar. (laughs) I'll mention that again. Oh, you didn't mention. You didn't mention. No, I was there, yeah. Um. The stress was the dogs, my poor doggies. Who's going to mind them? Where, you know, how is it they going to survive without me? Well, yeah, they're fine. They're still alive, so <laughs> all good. Um, so this is technically not our first podcast back from the new year because we were we did have a podcast that went out last week and that we recorded just before Christmas and. It went everywhere, which I don't think any of us expected. It was covered by the BBC, Times, Telegraph, um, and it just goes to show what an important topic it was to raise. And obviously, hopefully we want to do lots more stuff about that for the rest of the year. Um, If you have missed it, it's with Emma Mitchell. You can get it across any of the usual podcast places. But did you guys expect such a strong reaction from people to it? Because I really didn't. Like, I I hoped that people would see how important all the points she was raising were. But I I suppose I just didn't expect it to catch fire quite as much as it did. Caught yeah. fire. Caught fire. <laughs> <laughs> would you know what? When we were, like, 
we were talking about doing it. I knew it was a bit of a, you know, not a sensitive subject for me. That means that you shouldn't be talking about it. No, we should be talking about it. But I knew it was kind of, you know, it was a little bit delicate as well. Like if you're in a club, you don't want to talk badly about the club because it is your future, basically. Mm. Um, so I was I, I was kind of aware of that, but I wasn't. I wasn't expecting Mitchie to be so brutally honest. Yeah. She didn't <laughs> I mean, hold just, back, to be fair, which is good. Just, yeah, no, no, it's brilliant. She's brilliant. Mitchie is the best person to to speak to about any of these kind of things. Um, it was really good. I think there's been huge positive feedback, and, and Mitchie has said that herself. Um, I just think, you know, now is the time to push forward with it and I don't want Mitchie to be just that person who did a podcast and she doesn't either. She wants to push forward with it. She wants to try and improve the situation for everybody. She wasn't just having a little moan about her own personal case. She wants to improve it and she knows, she understands that it's a it's a subject that clubs don't really know much about and they don't have the, the, the proper personnel in there to deal with it. Like whether it's doctors or, well, doctors should be, but physios and, and uh, rehabilitation uh, specialists. So she just wants to push it forward basically. And, and that's like the good thing that came from it, because if you expose it, obviously, you, you know, people have to tackle it. So it's good. Just very positive. Yeah, no, I was quite surprised that, how positive all the reaction was around it. You know, I think most people were just really related to her experience and really wanted to like talk more about why that was the case and should there not be more things going on. And like, I had so many requests from people across like Ireland, England, Scotland to go on and like talk about it more. And I was like, I'm not the person that should be doing this. You know, you need to talk to women that have actually experienced these things. I can just tell you what Emma told me and beyond that, you know, yeah. I'm not the right person to do this, well, but this is it. That's it. You need to speak to to mammies. I mean, I've had loads of phone calls and requests, and I'm like, why would you want me to talk about it? I have two dogs. That's it. Those are my babies. I can <laughs> I tell you, have a dog. <laughs> the stress of having two dogs and and trying to work is 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 a stressful one. But yeah, they need to speak to um the the players that have had babies, obviously, and and they need to bring those together and and find a way to interact with them and, and get them their opinion on how to improve situations yeah mm. well, like I said this is something that we are very happy to keep talking about so if anyone listens to the podcast or you know you can be a mother you could be someone who is looking at how footballers come back from pregnancy and how they deal with having a baby at the same time uh, if you are interested please do get in touch with us because we would love to do a bit more about this um, now, Emma, we already knew you were kind of famous, but you've become even more famous because you feature twice on the Emirates. You wrap around, I hear. <laughs> Not just once, <laughs> twice. You're that someone, much of a legend. <laughs> when someone starts with that, I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> um, it, uh, we've just gone past Christmas, so I'm thinking there were lots of like, nights out and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. I haven't seen it like... Personally, I haven't seen it, but um, it looks really, really cool. I couldn't make it down to the opening, unfortunately, uh, but the girls were texting and sending me loads of photos and stuff. It's great. It's just, I think it's just a really cool thing that they've done, just bringing, showing that, you know, they they support the, the women uh, play for their club and they appreciate and respect them and just putting that them on the par 
on a par with the men. And I think um, it's just a really nice gesture. And yeah, it's really, and again, really positive feedback from it. Yeah. And again, I thought it was nice touch of the Arsenal men's team to have a tribute to Beth Mead's mom as well, like kind of fostering that one club mentality there, which is great to see. Yeah, no, it definitely is a vibe. Like we had um, Tim Stillman, who writes for Ars Blog and podcasts about the Arsenal women's team quite a lot on the show last week. And he was saying that he went, he was part of the consultation process for the wraparound. And he went in kind of ready to, you know, fight the corner and be like, these are the teams or like the women's players that we should have. And he was like, it was like pretty much a consensus the moment they started talking that they knew which teams and players they wanted to highlight. I didn't have to fight for it at all. And he was like, this makes such a nice change from the normal that the club had already accepted that it was going to happen. It was just a case of picking which was the right teams or the right players. And obviously our final I imagine that was really difficult you know, trying to pick players. But there are so many legends. I mean, the women's team going back all those years. Um, I did notice that Tim had mentioned that he was afraid of me or something like that. I mean, what's going on there? He did say that. He said, you and Katie, he was slightly intimidated by. And I was like, so is it just brilliant Irish women when I was talking to him afterwards? And he was like, yes, that's exactly what I am glad Well, I'm glad Katie's in there because, you know, safety and numbers and all that. That's what I thought you were going to start with. (laughs) I was trying to think when I've met Tim that he could possibly be afraid of me. It's just your aura, Emma. It's your aura. <laughs> Maybe it's just your on-pitch persona and, you know, if he actually got to... God, a more no, no, she's terrifying off the pitch as well. <laughs> That's not true. It's not true. Uh, Karen, actually, we had a night out over Christmas. <laughs> Do you want me to start talking about that? Um, no, sorry, my connection's going there. <laughs> it was a short night for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too far behind you, to be honest. <laughs> Sounds like a dangerous combination, I have to say. Well, after trying to climb up on the moose's head on the wall, I think uh, everybody just kind of like sent me home. So I was like, that's it. That's enough. It's my one (laughs) night, my my one big night out of the year. (laughs) See, it'd be worth not going on holiday for that next year, just so that you can have your one big night once again. Yeah, and away from people who know me, which is the main thing. Um, the Koi Gig Pod No Tribute Sports is an association with Cavalry FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Coming up next, we will be looking at some of the top transfers that have happened in the window so far. So the transfer window hasn't officially closed as of yet. That's not until the end of January. But already there has been some interesting moves, some bigger ones, some smaller ones. Uh, Some team, actually, when you look at it, there are just some very particular WSL teams who have really gone all out in this transfer window. Um, And I think probably one of the most interesting places to start is the Beth England Chelsea to Tottenham move. I mean, we've said it for quite a long time on this podcast that she needs a move and obviously ahead of the World Cup as well. It was even more important. But I don't think I expected Tottenham to be the team putting out a reported £250,000 for a player. I mean, it's great to see that that sort of stuff is happening more in the game. But yeah, I was just quite surprised. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big money move. She did need to go somewhere where she was going to be playing Um I suppose on her part, it means staying in London. She might like that. Just based on how Spurs' season has been going, 
it's not been their best season. So I was a bit surprised by that. But she could have the kind of effect that Rachel Daly did for Aston Villa, maybe and be that kind of figurehead for them and maybe turn their fortunes around. I don't it didn't happen this week, but um, I'm sure that's well, what she probably should have. Like she got the one, but she definitely missed opportunities later on in the game to level it up for them. Yeah, she did. I mean, she she should have scored. And if I was the manager, I'd be thinking of that pressure that is now on Rianne Skinner for, for paying that money. So I'd be thinking more pressure for her, more pressure for Bethany England. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did score. I mean, that's all you would want from from your sign in that first game. And um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a brilliant move for Tottenham. I'm not sure it's a great move for England, to be quite honest, just because of you know, uh, how they play. She's going to have to be involved in the build-up a lot. She can't be that kind of poaching player that just stays up as a number nine. Um, It's exactly what Tottenham needed. As I said, more pressure on them because they're going to be expected to do a little bit more. Um, But I just think it's a really good sign from Tottenham. Like, they, they are pushing forward because... So many clubs, you know, you wonder where do they want to be? Do they have the support as in the money? I mean, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? How much money are they, have they been given to go and to try and sign players to, to, to improve? So I think it's a good sign from them that they are supporting the women's team and they, they do expect their women's team to be winning things and higher up in the league. This is the thing that I never totally understand about. Tottenham because they kind of make these big statement signings so like you have the Beth England transfer which is like the highest amount of money ever played for a player in the WSL you have them bringing in someone like the likes of Alex Morgan like I know that was only for half a season and it was kind of to help her get back after having a baby but they just have these like random moments where they sign someone that's quite impressive or someone you just wouldn't expect to go there but the rest of their signings don't always seem the most cohesive or they don't seem all that targeted to what maybe the team actually needs in a situation. Like I think Beth England is obviously a good striker, but like you were saying, Karen, I don't know if that's exactly what Tottenham needs. They need someone who can actually help with the build-up play, someone who can be a lot more involved than she's necessarily used to doing. And that was like one of the major problems for them at the weekend with her because she wasn't as involved and she wasn't getting the same service. So it just, yeah, I'm not fully convinced by it, but maybe maybe that will change when someone like Ashley Neville comes back. Um, she was suspended at the weekend, so she wasn't there. Yeah, and again, like most of the movement will happen during the summer. So maybe the fact that they've been able to attract Beth England, maybe that will kind of bear more fruit and people will want to join Spurs, kind of see that they're going in the right direction. So it could be the start of it for them. But again, it just depends on money and how much is thrown behind them. Mm. Yeah, and like I think with Spence coming in, with Drew Spence, I think they expected a lot from her in that midfield and it hasn't really been happening, no. to be honest. And and James, Angara, James, she's a decent player. Um, you know, she's, she's a decent player to have in your team, but she's not going to set the game alight, is she? So, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Kathleen. They need a midfielder in, in there to dictate it and to really link up that defence to to forward movement. And then one club there's been a lot of coming and going from is Arsenal. Um, With losing both Mead and Miedema, I think people have said, you know, they need some attacking power. They haven't necessarily gotten that. They've signed 
Palova and then Catherine Cool brought back Gio Cures from ever since she was out there on loan. And then obviously Jordan Nobbs left after 12 years at the club. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say I shed a little tear at some of the videos that the WSL posted because I was just like, this is one of the most iconic Arsenal players in my mind, like from when I first started supporting them. So yeah, it was just someone who's been there for a long time and you're like, Jesus, I I don't really know an Arsenal without you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, it's it's about a year too late. Well, not too late. It's a year mm-hmm. later than it should have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really happy to hear it. Obviously, yeah. sad that Arsenal are losing her and sad for Jordan as well. That must have been a really difficult decision for, for her. Um, I know... Especially I not got, getting that final game or anything, kind of that final moment to... Yeah, I mean, that happens. <laughs> um, but just speaking to Jordan, like last year, I was like, come on, Jordan, you got, you have to leave. Like, I'm sorry, I was trying to convince her just for her own sake and her own England career and stuff like that. And it was just really difficult for her. She she didn't want to, but she had to do it. And I think Villa is a really good choice for her, actually. Yeah. And I think it's perfect for Villa. Because um, it's exactly what they need. They needed that player to link up, that box-to-box player to allow Dali to stay a little bit higher up and her to be that connection with Daly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did well. Jordan did well. It will take her a little time to get into it. Like Jordan needs to be invested emotionally as well. So it'll take her a little bit of time to get there. Um, but a fantastic sign and sad for Arsenal. But it's what happens. You can't, A player like that can't sit on the bench. No. It just can't happen. No, and I definitely, like, as sad as I was, there was a part of me that for a long time has thought that she should move on and wanted that for her just to, I don't know, she deserved to be getting a lot more game time than she was, and especially after all the injuries she's had. And, like, I looked it up, and she's actually only played one match, full match in a major tournament. And I was like, surely that's not right. And I, But, like, it is just, like, through her injuries have come at, like, such bad times that she's missed out so much. And I was like, God, that really is shocking. So hopefully, as you say, I do think Aston Villa is a really good place for her. And I think it's a really smart signing from them. I mean, bringing her and Lucy Staniforth in, who also slipped in quite easily um, at the weekend. They could, they're kind of, they're building a side there. Like, I don't know if it's going to come this season, but if they sign a couple of other smart players during the summer, they could really be challenging for those top positions in a year or two, I think. I think so. I think it's only a matter of time. Whatever about signing, I think that the squad they have now can do it. Yeah. Um. They they will need time to gel. It's a new it's a new midfield. It's exactly what we were talking about though at the start of the season. Like their midfield is the problem. They have an amazing forward, one of the best <laughs> in the leagues now, and left back, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. Um. And they have a good defence. It's decent. Uh, the midfield was the problem. And it's. I think we're going to see, they're going to nick a few points over the next few yeah. weeks. Yeah, they just look so much more impressive than your Brightons and your Reddings and stuff like that. They're a league, They're cut above them now. And I think they can kick on a good bit. Yeah, they can kind of follow the kind of Man United model nearly. They can keep attracting big players. That is the one that most people seem to be kind of like definitely lower down the league. I feel like United have shown a path to actually being a really successful club without necessarily spending the sort of money that a Chelsea might or a City might in developing their team, even Arsenal, but they're probably less so on the spending side of things. Um, In terms of that kind of attacking 
area for Arsenal. They obviously have brought Kiros back, but she's quite like still quite a young player, not that developed. Do you think that it's essential for Arsenal to get someone in before the end of the transfer window, considering the fact that they have lost the kind of mid 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 dynamic? Like I saw a stat from last season, they were involved in sixty six percent of all of Arsenal's goals, which is quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's huge, but they ha- they still do have options, and they have a versatility in their play that they can kind of bring players in. I mean, even Katie being on the bench yesterday. Like that's madness to have someone of that quality on the bench, but it just shows that they do have a squad there. Obviously, Hertig kind of came in, missed a few chances, got herself in the right positions, but missed guilt edge chances. So I think it's very hard to find a striker like Vivian Miedema who just scores goals for fun. Um, so I don't know who they could get to kind of fill those boots. It's not, it's not just not that easy. No, I mean, I mean there aren't just two Ballon d'Or nominees hanging around the place who want to come join. <laughs> no, they won't replace them. But I, I just want to go back to the Katie McCabe situation. I was shocked because I, I was doing a game um, in Syria and I was just about to go on as they put up the team. Uh, for Arsenal, I was like, where's Kate McCabe? And I didn't have enough time to actually look at it properly so because I had to go and do the game. But afterwards, I was looking through, I was like, cannot believe you'd have Katie McCabe on the bench against Chelsea. And I know Chelsea and Emma Hayes would be very happy looking at that team sheet and seeing her on the bench. That would have been relief for, for Emma Hayes, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Lena Hurtig, she, she's a good player. She's a good player to have on the bench if you want to switch something up. For me, not a starting player. Put Katie there. Katie can play. Left back, even though I don't like saying no. that, left back. She can play left wing. She can play uh, number nine. She can play uh, left side forward. She can play right side forward. You have to have her in the team. Just because you want to play um, Steph Catley at left back, it does not mean you put her on the bench. You put her I'm, I'm, I like Steph Catley left back, but I want Katie up higher. Yeah, like I don't like Katie left back, so Catley's perfect in there, yeah. but you still put her on the pitch, right? I mean, she can even play number nine. She can play that position. So I'm not, I wouldn't say they have to sign more players. Kiroz is an unbelievable player, by the way. She is young. She's more of a playmaker. She can play number nine, but she likes to get involved in the play. She's going to be a player. Um, probably better than Lena Hurtig, to be quite honest. Um, and then, of course, Victoria Pilova is, for me, a decent signing, but it's not, again, she's not going to be like one of the best in the leagues, but a good signing. But again, for me, Katie, Katie's got to play wherever. This is what I was wondering about with the whole thing. Cause like when I saw it, I was like, uh, um, immediately my mind went, she must be injured because I can't remember a WSL game that Katie hasn't started unless she's either been suspended or injured. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> please tell me this isn't the case. Then do we bring her on as well in the 81st minute? Like that also seemed bizarre to me when Arsenal didn't really have all that much of an attacking threat for the majority of the game, kept missing chances, even if it's just for like, the set piece alone or like those edge of the box shots that she takes that are incredible. It's not me being entirely biased in the whole situation, but I was like, this is a very strange decision from uh, Jonas Adeville. So I'll say Mark Skinner there. Yeah. And Chelsea were poor. They, Arsenal just lacked the kind of cutting edge and a bit of aggression, which. Ooh, aggression. Yeah. I know a player who, who gets booked <laughs> the minute she comes on the pitch. Um, no, the only thing 
I can think of is that Edivelle was worried that she might get sent off. But still, it's not a reason <laughs> not to reason. start a player. If you're playing and she's... Top of the table clash, no. No, if she gets booked early on and she's looking like she's going to get booked in, okay, take her off. I get it. And I'm not saying Katie wouldn't have got sent off. She might have. <laughs> but you want that player on the pitch. And the fact is, when it comes down to it, Chelsea were extremely happy that she was on the bench. Mm-hmm. No, completely. And we will look into that a little bit more in our next segment where we are going to dive into all the WSL action which happened over the weekend. So a month after the WSL took their Christmas break, which depending on which coaches you listen to, some were like, it's great, we needed that time. Other ones were like, "Mm, it was a little bit long, didn't really enjoy it, don't think it helped my team. Uh, The WSL returned at the weekend. Uh, I'm going to start with Aston Villa and Tottenham, which is 2-1 results to Aston Villa, purely just because I really enjoyed some of the headlines that came out of this one. Dally and Daly scored and there was lots of talk of Dilly and, and dallying around the pitch in the papers, <laughs> which I thought was excellent. And very good. Like Aston Villa don't have some sort of nickname for that duo for the rest of the time they're playing together. I will be very sad and I think we should just coin one ourselves. Um but yeah, bright start for Tottenham, but then two goals in four minutes for Aston Villa just sealed the deal. Spurs, I think if I was to look at a manager that's probably the most in trouble. At the moment, it's probably going to be Ryan Skinner. I think, like, you know, with Leicester, they've changed things around so much. Brighton. Liverpool? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think Liverpool have done enough with coming up that they're probably okay. Like, I know Matt Beard said that he's in a relegation battle now, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Like, I still do think they have the potential, especially if uh, Stengel comes back to scrape enough wins to be fine. And I think... Liverpool want a manager like Matt Beard in there to develop the team and grow the team. But I'm also happy to hear any uh, complaints the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we'll get on to Liverpool in a minute. <laughs> much to unpick there as well. Um, yeah, for Villa, I mean, Dali and Daly are superstars. They play really well together. Now, I again, Emma, I'll be looking at the keeper possibly for the second goal and the Dali strike. But when they need them to pop up, those two have just been brilliant all season for them. Um, I'm trying to think. So many games. <laughs> What's the the what? Describe the second goal for me. I think for gonna... for Daly's goal. No, for Dali's goal. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, a, the names make it very confusing. I have to say. <laughs> So their first goal, describe it. Describe it to me. Shot honestly. at the edge of the box, wasn't it? And it just kind of like, it was a good distance out. Keeper probably could have gotten across. No, sorry, I can't remember. It must have been. It wasn't uh, that good, obviously. <laughs> it definitely was the keeper's fault. So if you don't even remember. <laughs> no, I feel like if it definitely was the keeper's fault, Eva would have been straight on it. Yeah, I'm thinking I would have like... noticed that. No, no. I mean, they're brilliant together. I love watching them. I think Dali's been absolutely fantastic from from the first game. From when I watched her play against City, I'm like, "What? Who's this player?" Because she kind mm-hmm. of came in under the radar, and I was like saying to the girls, "Like, who's Dali? She's good. She's quality." And they're like, "Who?" Yeah. 
And then the more games they played, you're just seeing how quality she was. And we spoke about it as well. The problem for both of those players is that the transition from defence to attack. And now that they have those players in midfield, Jordan Nobbs and uh, Staniforth, they can afford to play a little bit higher up. Daly doesn't need to drop in to get involved and and Daly can stay that little bit higher up in that number 10 role. Um, I thought they were the better team in the first half, but Spurs finished really, really well. Like, I was quite impressed with Spurs. Like, maybe that's a sign of things to come. And I think Molly Bartrip, for example, I thought she was brilliant at the back, um, who I wouldn't have really spoken about before, but I thought she was really good. Um, again, Midfield, kind of non-existent in there. That's a problem for them. Like we've already spoken about at the start of the show. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right, Kathleen. I think uh, Rianne Skinner, especially with this sign-in of Beth England, it brings you know that that amount of money. You're you're expected to do more with your team. Yeah, well, you don't spend that amount of money on a WSL transfer and either not have it make an immediate impact or at least something that is like tangible for the team. And like I said before, I'm just not sure. I think they need to sign some other players that is going to increase activity in that midfield for Beth England to actually be supported enough to score. But I mean, she could turn around and be top scorer in the league like she was a couple of years ago. And I, you can play this down bite and prove me completely wrong if that does happen. Um, we've talked about it a little bit already, but Arsenal won... Chelsea won. Uh, this was an incredibly frustrating match to watch. <laughs> I thought. Like, I was just screaming at the TV, being like, can someone please just score? It's surely not that hard. Chelsea didn't look good. And the difference was they had Sam Kerr on their team who was able to poach that last minute goal. And also it's the second time I feel like this season Arsenal have been done out by those last minute goals, which do matter a lot when the title race is so tight. Um, yeah, those Lena Hertig chances, I think, um, really cost them in the end. You can't be given Chelsea an opportunity to come back into the game just because they have that kind of champion mentality where they can just stay in games and then pick something off even when they don't play well. Like I said, it's frustrating to watch. Like Arsenal were by far the better team. Chelsea do it all the time. They've yeah. won titles doing it. Like you look at them and you think, I don't like them. I don't think they're great. They don't really have a game plan. Their build up isn't great. What? How do they score goals? Long balls. Sam Kerr basically, um, and of course when when Pernille is playing, it's different because she can get on the ball. She makes amazing runs. She just adds so much more to their team. Like when she's not playing, you can really see the difference. And I think she is a huge, huge loss for Chelsea. But you can't depend. On that one player, you can depend on some care. No, you can't depend and you have to have a way of winning games. And they do, they have that way. But when you look at it, Arsenal and Man City, um, they just play way better football. They play way better football. It's nicer to watch. And, you know, you can, they could win. Arsenal could have won four nil yesterday. And I can't remember the last time I said that about Chelsea when they've played a big team, to be honest. Um, so I'd worry about them. I worry about them Champions League. Do they have a plan B? Do they know how to beat a team, like find their weaknesses? Um, but I have to say that cross from Kankovic. Yeah, I was put it on a plate for Kerr. She looks like a player. She looks like she's going to be absolutely top class. 
Um, I think Emma Hayes said it as well, didn't she? That she's going to be an absolute worldy of a player. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of her. Yeah, no, it was an incredible cross. And she was only on the pitch, like, what, 10-ish minutes at the time as well? So, you know, she had been sitting there watching everything unfold and was, like, the one player who actually came on and managed to do something for Chelsea. Uh, Musovic starting over Berger. Berger did not sound too mm. happy about this after the match. Uh, Emma Hayes said about Muscovic that she's doing lots of work in the background on the training bench. She's very diligent, has attention to detail. Application has been absolutely brilliant and she's deserving of the accolades she gets from today's game. And Berger was basically like, I'm fit. I'm training well. I don't know what. You'll have to ask the manager why I didn't start. And I was like, oh, there's a little bit of unhappy. But it's rare to hear that from a Chelsea player because normally Emma Hayes has them so well prepped and we always talk about her player management as being so good that you don't really get those strains of discontent coming out of the club all that often different for a goalkeeper let me just tell you that it's different (laughs) if you you aren't playing in the most important game of the season Mm. you are number two and I don't care what anyone says you are second choice goalkeeper Um, and the fact is that Berger had two horrific games before Christmas. Yeah. However, you don't become a bad goalkeeper overnight. She she had a bad time and she needs to get back into training and sort it out. Obviously, Emma has looked at Mustovic and thought she's better in training. It's the only way like she's going to choose her. But for me, she's not better than Berger. Um, and this could be very detrimental for Berger because mentality is a huge thing for a goalkeeper. And if you don't feel like you're loved and you're wanted and you are the best thing in the world, your confidence uh, is shattered a little bit. Yeah. But it is strange to hear her say that publicly. Mm. Like I said, it's just so rare to hear that from a Chelsea player. And like, I totally, I think what she said was probably totally fair in that she has every right to defend herself and be like well I think I'm playing great so you're just gonna have to ask Emma Hayes about that but it's it's rare coming out of the Chelsea group um it's a rare thing to say as well if you haven't been playing well yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah. strange isn't it if I if I had two absolute howlers I'd be like oh no you need to put someone else in there <laughs> <laughs> and if I was asked why I'm not playing I'd say exactly that because just I show the clips pull <laughs> <laughs> up on your phone and just be like <laughs> what a stupid question you've seen how I've been playing um so yeah for me that was strange for her to say that like you have to be honest with yourself as well um and you have to understand that if you've had two bad games coming up against a big team uh, you, you have to be able to understand that maybe you're not in the right place. And on goalkeepers, we had Everton against Reading and neither of our international goalkeepers were on show again. What's going to happen? Exactly what we want in January of a new year. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a big, it's a big, big problem. But then again, you know, I was saying that last year. That yeah, and Courtney was wasn't the best player needed to play it was imperative and then she uh, was absolutely excellent for Ireland Hmm. Um, I think you can only get away with that for so long to be quite honest and in a World Cup be interested to know have there ever been any goalkeepers starting for their country and not starting for their club Um, I just hope Rosalind gets minutes or else goes now January that's what I was going to say now is the time maybe yeah and and ask to own loan or something, but where every all the new signings, you know, yeah. signings from Bayern Munich goalkeepers, where are you going to go? 
Yeah, I mean, you're talking about dropping to the championship. No. You don't want to do that either, yeah. Would you not want to drop to the championship if you're going to one of the top teams and you're actually getting minutes? It's not the same. It's There's a big gap between the championship and but the... Her- difference now is either play nothing at all or play something would you not be better playing something I might I'd move I'd I'd get the hell out of England (laughs) (laughs) I would I'd move I'd move Sweden to a German league or you know one of the top physical league um to play even if it was a team on the bottom you know fighting relegation even better Mm. Um, dropping down a league here in England Manchester United 6, Liverpool nil. United's biggest ever win in the WSL. Karen could not look happier with herself. <laughs> well, I don't think it said much about Man United, to be honest. Obviously, it was a good game for them to kind of shake off the cobwebs and continue a good run of form. Um, but obviously in second place now, the goal difference ahead of Arsenal. But Liverpool just looked all over the place. They couldn't clear their lines. They couldn't get out of their box. They were just kicking it off each other. And the goals came too easy, you know. And you could just tell their body language when I think the fourth went in and it was an OG. They were just resigned to a thumping and that's exactly Mm. what it was. They just didn't have the resilience that they've shown against some of the bigger teams this year. The floodgates just opened. It was a poor day at the office for Liverpool, but obviously really good for United. Loads of different goal scorers. Um, Galton was obviously out, so it was great to see Garcia coming in and getting on score sheet. And um, Bachier again was incredible. Bachier, whatever you want. Bachier. <laughs> she's not bad, is she? She's, she's oh, decent. Quality. She's all right. <laughs> yeah, and they had people coming off the bench. Thomas Williams both scoring as well. So I think Skinner will be happy with the day's work there. Yeah, I mean Liverpool. There's one thing that you you might not be a great team. You might not be able to score many goals, but you must be able to defend. That's like that's the basics. And you know, at the start of the season, I was like, this is exactly what we're going to see from Liverpool. They're going to be very well organized. They've got a good defensive line back there. Extremely difficult to break down. And this was just a horrible, horrible performance. They were completely disorganized all over the place. And yeah. uh, that's one thing that. Yeah, that's one thing that Matt Beard will be really disappointed with. Because yeah, he said himself after the match that like United had more desire, which shouldn't be the case. He yeah. called it embarrassing as well. Like his language was very, very strong, as was a lot of the players that came out afterwards. You know, when they posted on social media, the word embarrassing was thrown about quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about all this post. Do I say like right? Yeah, it's very like, you know, when United men were doing it last season. And all this kind of stuff. No, Poor just performance. We go again. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, f- fine, you can recognise that you had a bad day. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you just, it, it, there were mistakes. You have to correct the mistakes and you have to get into training and correct the mistakes and then break the game down and find out why. And then if my manager had said, I mean, I've never heard it from any of my managers, to be honest, that there was no desire. Imagine the Irish team, if the man, if we lost against we the Germans. desire our whole yeah. careers. That's all we had. <laughs> Like that to me is the worst of the worst. I would be absolutely devastated if that it's was kind of like that. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. 
Yeah, my parents never used to say that to me. They used to be just angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, speaking to um, a couple of the players, they are absolutely devastated. Like, this is the worst. This is the lowest of the low. Like, they're, they're at their lowest point in the season. So... On a good note, it can only get better from here. Yeah, nice easy trip to Chelsea at the weekend. <laughs> get any worse than six, so <laughs> say that. Leicester got beat about nine last season. Oh well. Well, I, I speaking of managers and, and being safe in their jobs, I think if it were more than six, I think Matt himself would probably <laughs> hang up his boots and walk away. And one of the surprise results of the weekend, because it meant points finally on the board, was Leicester 3, Brighton 0. I think Brighton probably hoped that they would go into the new season, well, new half of the season, doing a bit better. New coach on board, Hope Powell gone, and instead... Three goals against the Leicester City that have literally... The worst possible start for the new manager. I mean, to lose... To three nil to the team that are rooted to the bottom of the table and probably will get relegated. Oh, he has a lot of work to do, a lot of work. As long as yeah. you can see change in any time quickly, really, either. No, and you know they just seem to get worse. <laughs> and as much as Hope Powell herself admitted, like. You know, it was difficult for her there to get results or whatever. I actually think it was a, it was a, the wrong thing to do. Get rid of her. At least she knew her players. At least mm-hmm. like she knew the mistakes and she knew how to, um, well, to, to, to arrange her players to the best of their ability. Um, and I just think they're getting worse. And I think they're going to get relegated. And I think that's a shame because Brighton is a fantastic club. Because you look at Leicester, Leicester are down there, but they've made some decent signings um, over the last couple of weeks. I think they're only going to get better. And um, they might not nick points off the, the top four, but it doesn't matter as long as they're taking points from the clubs around them. Mm. They might survive it. I mean, they've signed a Bayern Munich goalkeeper. That's That mm. alone is a, is a massive signing for them. Yeah, so the... Situation at the bottom of the table at the moment is Brighton have played nine games, Leicester have played ten, Brighton are on seven points, and Leicester are on three. So it would require Brighton to win a few more games, and or sorry, Leicester to win a few more games and Brighton to lose a few more. But Brighton will lose more. a few more <laughs> based on the way they were playing at the weekend. They will. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it's just more of the goal scoring it probably comes down to. I mean, Leicester only have five goals so far this season conceded 25 Brighton have at least scored 11 although they've conceded 32 so kind of not great they do kind of balance each other out quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then a final mention for City who were 1-0 winners over West Ham Bunny Shaw popping up once again continuing her run to be the golden boot winner for this season uh, puts them within three points of the Champions League place and they're now unbeaten in 11 games in all competitions. So City doing a very classic City thing of looking a bit chaotic at the start of the season and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> they they do it on purpose. It. It's like they do it on purpose. They've done it two years in a row. But this is what I was worried about for City is that break at Christmas because 
they're they're horrible at coming back from breaks. Like they just are terrible. And the way the game was going last night for for a good period of time, I thought they weren't going to score. And I actually thought West Ham were going to nick one. And I thought just thought, oh, this is this is it all over again. September, August, September start for City. Yeah. It wasn't definitely wasn't their most convincing performance. But I'd say he's just delighted to kind of get the three points and move on. Like seriously relieved. Yeah. Because West Ham actually defended quite well um, and City just couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't break them down and they've got amazing players. Like you look at the players, but it's just poor decision-making in the final area and, and poor decision-making in general because if that were my team and I had a player like Bunny Shaw, I mean, she's just the most scary player ever to play against, I imagined. Because when she gets going and she faces that goal, you can't stop her. I mean, Sissoko, who I absolutely love just because she's just... She's a lunatic. Yeah, she's a lunatic. She was bouncing off her, like like as if she wasn't even there. Bunny would just like put her hand out and she'd like go flying. And I'm like, oh my God, like she's she's a bit of a beast of a player, Sissoko mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Millie Bright, Millie Bright couldn't get round her. Millie Bright, I, I haven't seen one defender that is able to defend against her. Um, and the one time, oh no, they, she had about three or four times. She actually got the ball and, and went at them, and she created. She should have scored. She hit the bar. She hit the the post. Um, great goal for them, by the way. Really nice work goal. But it was one of the only times they played through the middle and through Dana Castellanos, which is what she does in that number ten position. Um, but in general, they should have created more chances. So that's the only thing. I would have been, you know, a little bit worried about with them. But West Ham in general, I thought they did all right. Mm. Okay. I mean, they have something. There's something there that they can work on. Um, I think it's like you said, it's just that final third and kind of they put, they had like four or five players behind the ball most of the time. And when they were doing that, it was fine. But it was like, okay, well, what do we do now when we have the ball and we actually want to attack? That was where it was missing for them. And they just didn't seem confident going forward either. They seemed happier sitting back and almost inviting the pressure on, which you can't do against a team like City because they do have the likes of Bunny Shaw and they do just need that little moment to grab the goal and then that's the point's gone. Yeah, I mean, they nearly scored, didn't they, in that the the, the six-yard scramble and Leilu Habi cleared it off the line. If they had yeah. scored that goal... That would have been a disaster for City because realistically City were all over them. Um, but you're right. But if you've got players like uh, Lisa Evans, like more Lisa Evans than than anybody, why are you asking her to defend? No. You can't. She can't be defending. I mean, we've seen it against Scotland. She played right back with Scotland against Ireland, which was great for us. Yeah. Don't put her in a defensive position. Push her up. You can even like unbalance the team, ask her to play a little bit higher. And then the other midfielders just to tuck round because, um, I say you needed players up there and Brynjär's daughter was too deep as well. I mean, it, it was, they played a very defensive game. It was, and it nearly worked for them if that's what they were looking for a draw. <laughs> the problem well, was, yeah. probably was. We will follow all the action as it continues throughout the season. But for today, thank you, Emma. And thank you, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> and we will be back next Tuesday with another podcast for you all and all the WSL action. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.